gentlemen welcome into our round six breakdown uh you know what honestly i thought it was weird it, this was really weird round not for any of the reasons you might think but for the one reason that i think for the first time this year we've come out of a complete round of footy without a giant controversy that is destroying twitter that is destroying I guess Facebook, maybe Instagram, the YouTube, the comment sections. That's just running rampant through the AFL community. And I, for one, am shocked. And I don't really know how to react to that. If anything, I think I am pretty confused. How, uh, like, am I, in, am I, are you in the same boat with me right now? Like, is it really around the footy with that extreme controversy? Uh, well, here, here's the thing that I'm going to say is, is that the first probably half a day after the first game, the the whole raising the arms drama was still was still yeah, friggin mind <laughs> well because one call one 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 call and, and again and, and i kind of stated it i i kind of stated it to friends to a few friends of mine i said i said with what he did the way the letter of the law was written it's a 50 do i agree was it demonstrative and probably should have been no and i said that i said do I like the way the law is written? No. But the funny part about it is, is, is didn't I call it, Ross, how many other demonstrative penalties did we see the rest of the round? Uh, I, 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 Done. It's like the players knew what they were doing. Well, it's like people, coaches, so... and players adjusted <laughs> to the rule set. Where have we seen this one before? Oh boy, it's just kind of, it's it just, I thought it was funny. So it's like, I mean, when I'm seeing, when I'm seeing tweets, not even two or three hours after the game going, the game is in horrible shape. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just, you are again, making a big deal out of something that is going to be completely fine in a few days. And we were, I was, it, I, I'm not trying to know Stradamus, not trying to get a big head or pat myself on the back, but uh, I called it. No, no, figured no. It out. You, you so kind of saw the whole thing coming. I went down a bit. And I, I really, if you're surprised by it, that I didn't take Coach Johnny seriously here, I think you have your own issues to go off of. But even though we don't have a giant controversy to go over, we uh, can just very well go ahead and make up our own. It's really not that hard. Um, but let's, <laughs> especially I can think, um, let's, let's talk about, um, Honda Odyssey. I mean, uh, getting a van. I mean, I mean, minivan, I mean, Jack over here. Um, the, oh man, that was a good time with the, I really did like him silencing the crowd like that. Um, I think more players should do that when, when the opportunity arises. Oh, the fascinating part about that whole situation is, is that, not even three or four weeks earlier, Kane Corns was like, a kid needs to learn some respect. And then a footy classified a couple of days ago, he's like, I love having characters like him. And, and my favorite is the, the several other panelists go, well, why did you, why did you get on him so bad then? Why? <laughs> it's like, you can kind of see him go, why? Well, I'm like, dude, this is why you can, you got to choose 
how you're going to approach people mm-hmm. carefully. It's like you should have went out, you should have gotten angry with the club, not the player in the first place. So you kind of you're going to eat crow a little bit, dude. I mean, plain and simply, is is Kane Corn one of those that occasionally loves to throw out the the controversial opinion, and most of the time be wrong? Yeah, he's he's pretty good at that. Yo, so, hey, some so people we'll, need we'll to have their like talent. Is, Obviously, he's talented in that. Also, before we get cranking, um, just want to put it out there: if you guys are listening to this after we are live. Then you know we're we're doing this stuff live now for uh, not only for our AFL but also for our upcoming UFC and NFL shows as well over on our YouTube and Twitch. So go check those ones out. Um, AFL stuff will be six o'clock Mountain Time every Wednesday. You know Australian time. It's like around ten a.m. So you get a cup of coffee and come join us. Um, and so if we uh, we're going to be changing a little bit of things here when it comes to replying to fans, such as what's up, Austin. It's a pleasure to have you in. I know you're going to hate me for this pun, but it's been far too long. Oh, man. I hate myself for that. His last name is Long, everyone, for those that don't know. Um, so <laughs> it's really low-hanging fruit, but That's I kind of had to pick it. But we're live, so please check us out because um, you can drop your angry and pa- now i'm not gonna call it angry you're passionate youtube comments <laughs> while we are live so we can respond to you in real time so it just adds into the fun here uh but what we got for you guys today is some controversy coming out of the west coast and the east coast apparently we're going coast to coast we got a new tv deal possibly coming to the states uh, we're going to talk biggest surprises through the first six rounds of footy and there is definitely someone that might be on the verge of signing a lifetime contract and we're going to get Donnie's thoughts on who that might be then we're going to hop into team of the round our tips um and then we're going to wrap things up for you guys but um for those that are live you don't get to listen to it so here's another perk but for those that are listening to this after the podcast form drops here's an ad Hey, it's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. Listen, if you are a former professional athlete, if you are a former college athlete or sports coach, and you're looking to launch your speaking career, let me tell you, you need a book. If you're already out there speaking and you want to track more high-paid speaking engagements, you need a book. It's not about creating more content to post on social media. It's not about recording a bunch of videos. It's not about doing more podcasts. The number one secret to attracting more high-paid speaking engagements or even launching your speaking career is a book. Hey, I'm the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole, and I help former athletes and sports coaches create best-selling books in 30 days to launch their speaking career, even if they hate writing and don't know where to start. So for the first time ever, I've created a free case study video that will not only show you how to write a book from scratch in a little as 30 days and become a best-selling author, it will also show you how to attract more high-paid speaking engagements. Now, to check out this free case study video, click the link that says learn more or go to booksforathletes.com. Real quick before you go, do not go if you're not a former athlete or sports coach because you won't find any value in what I'm about to share. And don't go if your book is already out and already on Amazon. You won't find any value in what I share over there. But if you are a former athlete or sports coach, know that you need a book or um, already out there speaking and you want to launch your speaking career, go check out that link now. Writing a book is not as hard as you think. It doesn't even matter if you don't know where to start. My case study video will show you how to start and get it done and on to the bestsellers list. So go now. 
All right. And then thank you guys for, you know, if you're on the podcast, like I said, listening to the ad, um, it does help with the revenue, which I desperately need. I am a, a, a poor, um, <laughs> at least for, for the longest <laughs> poor. Let, let's get some money going. This thing, you guys are great. Um, but we're going to start things off because what better way to start it off than what we do each and every round because this is the best way to really get, um, I guess one, say the blood flowing, but the creative and angry fan mind going, uh, if you want to call it that one as well, because of course that's how AFL um, pundits work. I'm just trying to, to fill into the shoes. I don't know if we really need any more of them though, but it's time to overreact to round six of the AFL season. For those that don't know how the segment works, I got three statements for uh, Coach Johnny here, and it's up to him to determine if it's an overreaction or if there's actually some truth to it. And statement number one. Oh, this is going to piss some people off, I'm sure. West Coast is the worst team in the competition. Oh, after after this week, some people may really love this jump to conclusion, you know, especially to those that are Port Adelaide free. fans, because they're not the ones being talked about being the horrible <laughs> team anymore. So we look at it, it I, I, again. This is one of the this is one of those where if you look at the lists, and, and I and I say that again, what's on paper again is always a discussion for so many people, especially the, the pundits. If you look at the pure list, this is not the worst team in the competition. It is not. Not by any source of the mm -hmm. imagination. There are tons of talent on this roster. There are tons of talent like on this list, list. Including the they, COVID list as well. Oh. And that's and that's kind of the thing that I find kind of very interesting that there, there's a lot of different kind of, shall we say, agendas or shall we say discussion points. For I mean let's 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 look at the three teams that a lot of people have been have been discussing over the last couple of rounds about being atrocious at footy. Mm -hmm. North Melbourne, Port Adelaide, West Coast. If you really look at it, West Coast and Port Adelaide have genuine arguments that they may actually be a better team than their record shows because no, you, you could actually Port, what did what did we talk about? They have legitimate qualities what did we talk when, about? when they blame injuries. Absolutely. Oh well I and I hate going to blaming injuries because I don't think it's blaming. Oh, okay. I mean, it, I, and, and many people would say it's an excuse. It's an mm -hmm. excuse. It's not really an excuse if some of your best players are out with injury because most people would say on your list, your backup is not as good as your starter. Really? Are, are you saying if that you do have a backup, have a that's backup that's as good as one of the best intercept markers, if not the best intercept marker in the league in the earlier? Are you saying that their backup is uh, not as good as the earlier? No, not normally. Oh and then wow! You also wow! Wow! Look at it is, Hot do they, take, do they, Donnie. Do they have? Do they have your? Do they have your full? Do they have your great full forward and small forward and rot with Robbie Gray and uh, and Ben and Dixon being out too? So, it's it really when it comes to Port Adelaide has like I said they have that kind of parachute, shall we say, of that, and then West Coast can say the same. I mean. All those COVID, all those COVID outages. You have an injury list that is growing almost daily, which is insane. What they've had to go through. Mm -hmm. I mean, having to film, have to put in a waffle side against North Melbourne earlier in the year. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is an overreaction because I think once West Coast is healthy, mm -hmm. I think they're they're going to be a dangerous team because by the time they're healthy, they're going to be out of it. I mean, most people have already kind of 
drawn a line through West Coast's finals appearances, but they're going to be experienced, they're going to be talented, and they're going to be dangerous because they don't have to worry about the finals pressure. They can just go play footy, which many times, especially from round 17 to 22, is one of the most dangerous things to have Mm -hmm. is to play a team that can just play footy. There's no pressure on them. They're not going to make the finals. They can just go play. So, honestly, it's an overreaction because I hate saying it. I think North Melbourne is actually the worst team in the league this year. I have a hard time seeing them not win the spoon unless West Coast issues just continue. I feel bad because, like, North is out here trying to prove it wrong. I was trying to give them credit. Even though they're bad, I was trying to say, hey, this is a fighting team. They're not just going to roll over. But if you take a look at some of the performances this season, it's it, you could make the argument that it at least appears to be the case. I wish I was wrong because they're a team I want to root for because love a good underdog. Uh, it's It's just not in the books for them this year. Maybe next year, maybe the next five years, who knows. But then again, I can't talk too much trash because I am a Giants fan. And that is a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> but <laughs> talk about pain in the ass. Let's uh, bring up the Ds who also whooped the Giants a couple of rounds ago at this point. But that brings us into statement number two, and that is that the Melbourne Demons should be worried about their offensive production. This is on the back of kicking just 9-22 and against the Richmond Tigers. I'm sure, Don, you're going to bring up a hell of a stat that was just recently pointed out to us as well. Uh, but is this an overreaction or not? Now, for most people, you would go, this is an overreaction. It's a team that's undefeated. It's a team that's playing really, really good footy. And, and, and it's hard to argue they did. But it was brought up on a podcast, and I, I could not believe it when I heard it. And, and, I, and I told Ross this before we hopped on Mike, before we hopped on live, is that if you look at it, if you look at their record, they have not played a top 10 side this entire season. They played the Western Bulldogs, who currently sit 11th. They played Gold Coast, who's currently sitting 13th. They played Essendon, who's currently sitting 16th. Port Adelaide, who's currently sitting 14th. GWS, who's currently sitting 15th. And the Richmond Tigers, who currently sit 12th. So of their, of their six wins, not a single team is in the top 10. And even this round, they're still not even in the top eight with Hawthorne being ninth on the ladder. They won't even, as of at least this recording, they won't play their first team in the top eight until the first round of May next round against St. Kilda. Mm. So it's kind of one of those, if you look at that stat like any other year or any other team, you'd be a little concerned because you won some games tight that you probably shouldn't have. You're playing a bottom tier. You're playing a bottom half of the ladder team. But you look at it, I think the Western Bulldogs have underperformed again. Injuries have really gotten them over the last few rounds, Mm -hmm. but they played the Melbourne Demons at the start of the year when they were mostly and completely healthy and still got beat. So I think this is an overreaction, but I'm interested to see how the Ds respond because as we kind of discussed off mic, the bulk of their really good teams are going to come after round 10. I mean, they're getting several rounds in a row. I mean, I we, we looked at it. We looked mm-hmm. at it together. We saw a, round, a run of the Frio Dockers, who are second, Sydney Swans, who are, four, who are fourth or fifth, Collingwood, who's eighth, Brisbane, who is third, 
Adelaide, who's ninth, who, who's ninth or tenth, and the cats who are sixth, and all in the span of f- five to six weeks. Mm-hmm. That is that is a murderer's row from round eleven. From round eleven, and they get like 17. a b- break from maybe a couple of rounds in there with poor Ally and the doggies. But then their last four uh, is Frio, Collingwood, Carlton, and Brisbane. This, I'm not saying it will happen, but Melbourne definitely has the potential to not be anywhere near that top four if. You know, if woes continue, I'm not saying that they're bad right now. I'm saying the 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 potential is there. But also, if you take a look at it, at that in six games, if you kick nine twenty two against Frio, against Sydney, against Brisbane, against Geelong, there's chances you lose by like five six goals, at least. Oh, but but it also depends. But, but the thing though is you got to look at it too. Is is that Melbourne's defense has been playing really really well? I mean, their defense is lights out. It, oh yeah, no, the, but let's not argue against that. Their defense. Well, they held is the, the they held the dog. Well, they have the they have the best overall percent. They have the best overall defense in the league. They've given them out mm-hmm. the they've given up the least amount of points this season. Here, I'll pull I'll pull it up really quickly. Their their per, their percentage is one fifty three point five. All together, and if I remember, if I remember correctly, they've given up the least amount of points, only like just under four hundred. They've given up under four hundred points in the first five rounds, so they've played super, super well. Again, are they playing the creme de la creme? No, no. But again, this is a really good team that has had a lot of injuries in their back line, so so for them to still play as well as they have, it's kind of scary because think about when they have all of their guys healthy. And then I don't know if you have seen this, Ross, but COVID has now gone through the Melbourne camp. Simon Goodwin, yeah, their coach, will not coach this round. Kaziah Pickett and at least two other players are both out for this game this round against the Hawthorne Hawks. So if I'm the Hawks, you're kinda you may be catching Melbourne at the right time. You've got a little bit of a team that's got a few I think- injuries. You're gonna get some backups in. This is one of those. I think this is a. I think this is a much more competitive game because of some of the breaking news over these last twenty four hours. This is a much. This is a much closer game than I think a lot of people are expecting mm-hmm. going into the round. I mean, Luke Jackson was one of the others. Was a. It's a big loss because that's Max Gone's kind of right hand man and that secondary ruck that gives a lot of teams a lot of trouble. So not having Jackson, not having Kaziah Pickett, those are a couple of big losses for the Mel- for those Melbourne Demons going into what I think is a much trickier Hawthorne side than some people are giving them credit for. Man, you might be uh, shining some light on what we're going to go over later when we get to our tips because, you know, I have to give at least one a week, at least one bold prediction a week. Uh, less, luckily, last round, hey, hats off to you two. We both went 8-1 and one on our tips. Uh, mine specifically, uh, it was Carlton that screwed me against Frio. But shout out... I just want I just want to point out there that my tip of Adelaide and, and and the doggies went exactly as I thought it would. So maybe I'm not as stupid as I might think I am, or as probably you guys think I am sometimes too. So can we ride the momentum into round seven? Will you have to stay tuned until our tipping later in the show? Absolutely, you will. Please do. It'll be great. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but. Last statement, and this one is is one that hits near and dear to my heart because, man, <laughs> I, I really don't think they got a whole lot to lose. But statement number three, Leon Cameron won't be coaching GWS next season, overreaction or not. 
That is not, and I normally, normally you're very good at picking stuff that it can be easily considered overreaction, but it's hard. It's hard. I mean, they're one in five. And I think a lot of people saw Toby Green's back and like, it'll be the renaissance of the GWS Giants. It'll be a lot like last year, a horrible start to the season. Cameron waves his magic wand. The team starts playing well and they get into the finals. Uh, unfortunately, again, they ran into a very good St. Kilda team. Toby played a really good game. I think he did make an impact. But there there are just enough issues on this GWS roster right now that, as I said in, in, in the preview show, I am worried Toby's only going to be able to cover a few cracks, but mm-hmm. too many cracks are still showing at this present point. It is hard to see this as an overreaction unless GWS goes on one heck of a run over the next few rounds and gets themselves at least within shouting distance of the finals. I mean, and just looking, just looking at their roster, it doesn't get much easier. No. A tough game at the Adelaide Oval this week. So we, got Adelaide, we got Adelaide, we got we got Carlton. We might Carlton. might be able to beat West Coast. You got Brisbane. Might be able to beat North Melbourne. We got the doggies where. Honestly, I'm actually looking forward to that game because at least the way they've been looking this year, they're actually, you know, pretty even when it comes to to, to uh, competition wise, you know, in, in you know just ability. And like you said, I think it might have been three rounds ago at this point, but that rivalry between GWS and, and the Doggies is those are always some great games. So this might make it even that much better. So fingers crossed they can pull that one up. But you know, back to Car- Collingwood, back to Hawthorne. I'm even worried with Port Adelaide. I I just it's hard. There's just a general sense of I, I just don't have hope when it, when it comes to watching them play footy, which is horrible. But like they, it's a, if you just look their list on paper, that's a talented roster right there. If you take uh, mm-hmm. it, there's they are underperforming, and it's not. There are some ta- some of their talents that aren't playing as well as they should be. But also, there's just a general feeling that I don't, you know what. Let, let me put it in my super dumbed down and simplified logic here. Um, what's the point of playing the season? It's to make the finals. What's the point of playing the finals? It's to win uh, a flag. Can the GWS Giants right now, with Leon Cameron as a head coach, make the finals, let alone be legitimate premiership contenders? I do not think so. And especially in the case where there are other head coaching um, head coaches out there that could fill Leon Cameron's role in a better way. I think you gotta send it. I, 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 it, I got nothing against Leon Cameron. Like I, I uh, mistakenly hopped on the bandwagon too quick last round. Um, but this one, it's like something's gotta change, and it just feels like there's just a general feeling of discomfort. Some of the reports coming out of the Giants' camp is that um, they're. It's a, almost a lack of confidence in Leon Cameron's coaching ability. And if you lose your team, you lose everything. I think it's time to make a move. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if it's going to happen during the season. Um, it just kind of depends if someone's out there. But I think by the time we kick off next year, Donnie, Nathan Buckley, head coach of the GWS Giants. <laughs> Please. Please. It'd be, it'd be a very interesting hire. Um... Like I said, they're they're in such they're in such a tough situation right now because again, I mean, you're, you were one in five, you were twenty percentage points behind Port Adelaide at fifteenth, 
And again, we had already kind of said their run is not easy. I mean, no. and even I'll say this, and I don't mean to damper spirits even more. By the time you Good get luck. to West Coast, West Coast may be back up to at least more full strength than they expected. They may not have McNatt Nui. But Shuey should be good. Yo will be back from his from his from his concussion issues. Kennedy will have had three or four games running through. You might get Jeremy. You might get Jeremy McGovern back. Mm-hmm. The, it, it will be a much more experienced West Coast. That's why I said West Coast is one of those teams. If I'm a finals team in the last eight rounds of the season, I don't want West Coast on my roster because by then they may be more of the West Coast that everybody expected. That's the finals team stepping onto your field more than the waffle team of the first five rounds that put them in the hole that they are in being one in five with a 61.2% rating. Mm-hmm. The only one that's worse is North at 60.6. So I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, again, I unfortunately, I think Cameron will see through the season because I just don't see GWS firing him in midseason no. unless they can guarantee they're going to get the guy exactly like a Buckley or like or like a Clarko. Yeah, I'm not, but and I, don't see, I don't see that. I don't see that Buckley, happening during the season. Exactly, I don't see them joining the Giants midseason. Um, and honestly, at this point, are the Giants finals contenders? No, can they be? Yes, it's, there's still plenty of time of the season. But realistically, are the Giants going to make the finals this year? They are not. So there's no need to rush into a new head coach. Take your time. It's not going to really change much of anything. In fact, it might just give Leon maybe one more chance, but I don't want to run to, hey, let's give him one more chance. They get on a run, and then they don't fire him, and then they keep him next year, and then they suck again next year. <laughs> it's just horrible. But but also, if this is last season, Leon Cameron in, in um, Greater Western Sydney, he's been a good head coach. He It's not like he's just sunk up the place. He's been consistent as well. And so I definitely don't hate the guy. I just think I just think it's it's run its course. And if I definitely don't want them to you know be on bad terms. I, I have enjoyed Leon Cameron as a person and as a head coach. I just think the time is right to move after the season. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I kind of agree with you on that. Like I said, I just I don't see I don't see Bucky or Carco taking this team halfway through halfway through the season just because yeah. th- there's just not enough time to get everything that they're probably going to want to have. They're probably going to want an off season. They're kind of want to. You'll, you'll see some player movement that I think will be more focused there. So I, I think Bucky's enjoying think his new job too Cameron. much right now. <laughs> I, I think the only way you see Cameron fired is if they bring in a caretaker coach, which, I mean, is okay because some teams get a boost from it and they'll win two or three games. But, I mean, if you want to get a better draft pick to potentially give your new coach that kind of springboard, mm-hmm. you may not want to win a lot of games. I'm so not just going to say, so hey, I'm, you guys should tank. I'm just saying maybe you shouldn't try to improve. <laughs> Well, I don't think tanking is going to work right now because right now North, right now North Melbourne, Essendon, and West Coast are. I've got you beat. And Start to outtake them than you are. Ugh, yeah. I I just I just think it's time, and like I said, not necessarily a bad thing. It just happens over time. You know, this happens in every sport where a head coach just runs their tenure, and Leon Cameron is not going to get to the Giants to the ultimate goal. I'm not calling him a bad head coach. 
He's just not good enough, at least not at this point. Um, even if he, it's like a, but even like a, bringing a new head coach is almost like um, some of the situations when you throw in an emergency or um, when you pull the goaltender in hockey. Don, you'll love this analogy, my my hockey guy right here. It's n- sometimes when the goalie gets pulled, it's not necessarily their fault that they're getting you know um, that the, their team is down by so much against Gordon so quick. It's because that defense is giving them horrible, horrible shots and leaving the goalie out to dry. This is not necessarily a, and so they pull the goalie, not because it's goalie's fault, because sometimes they're just trying to create the spark, change something up, get a little bit more momentum going the other way. Leon Cameron mm-hmm. is not just crapping the bed as a goalie right now, but we got to change something up at the organizational level. Yeah. And I've seen that before, and it's a perfect it's a perfect analogy. It's 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 not the person in the job; it's the it's the entire team needs to wake up. And sometimes mm-hmm. it has to be a sacrificial lamb. And unfortunately, sometimes it is the coach that is the sacrificial lamb. So it's easy scapegoat, that's for sure. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, I, I don't need to tell the head coach that, do I? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love it. Um, at least, luckily, like people like me, assistant coaches, we we overlook in terms of uh, of accountability and blame. So sometimes it works out for us. Uh, <laughs> but those are overactions. And look at this: we actually had one of the statements. They've been close, but finally got one where Donnie did not think it was an overreaction. So I think that is a milestone so far this season. Uh, but let's know your thoughts. Is West Coast the worst team in the comp? Should the D's be worried? And is Leon Cameron going to be coaching the GWS Giants at the start of next season? But before we get into what the blank, we got a couple of things to talk about here. Because one of the things, like I said, not a whole lot of controversy. So I have a question that I want to bring to Donnie in, in this week's kind of general discussion. Um, when it comes to some of the storylines going around. So, through the first six rounds, there's been a lot that's gone on. There's been a lot, whether it be injuries, whether it be surprise players, surprise performances, um, surprise controversies, in fact, even as well. So, at this point, what has surprised you the most about the season? If you can name one. Oh, there's so, oh, there's <laughs> so many. But honestly, I'll, 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 I'll kind of retort it, and I'm not usually one to ask a question, but do you, want, do you want my positive side of this one or the negative side of this one? Let's start with positive. The power of positivity, ladies and gentlemen. We'll start with a. We'll start with a positive. Okay, and that is the four. That is the four teams that are currently in the finals that were not in the finals last yes. year. Yes, these were these. And, and if I look, I look at it. There's only there's only one team of, of the of the four new teams in the finals mm-hmm. that I had close, and that was Fremantle, and they're sitting second. And that, honestly, in my personal opinion, is one of the biggest surprises. The Fremantle Darkers. As of round six, are second on the ladder with a 144.2 percentage. And their only Sounds like loss they're playing really good is to fifth is to fifth ranked as we speak, St. Kilda. So Man. that is probably it's hard to argue that is not the surprise of the century. The surprise of the year, just because I think a lot of people saw Frio as being right there on the cusp. They mm-hmm. were gonna be close, that they may get in, but 
I think a lot of people puffed, they puffed up the Richmond Tigers because Dusty's back and the Richmond Tigers, there's no way they're going to have another season where they don't make the finals. Definitely wasn't me. And a lot of people got seduced. A lot of people, and I'm going to say this and I mean this, a lot of people got seduced into that and saying almost a little bit with Essendon too is you kind of went, you, there was so much history Essendon that they were looking helpful. at. They forgot to kind of, yeah, exactly. But I, I I, I got to give Justin Longmuir a huge, huge pat on the back, sir. You have done a lot mm-hmm. with a roster that I think when everybody said, well, Adam Chair is gone. I'm I'm seriously going to say is Andrew Brayshaw is making a lot of Frio fans not have to remember Adam Chera because he is having an all-Australian type of season. You don't have Nat Fife right now. He's still having his back issues. Mm-hmm. David Mundy has missed a few games, but he's come in in, the, in, in his usual brilliance. Caleb Sarong is playing well. Darcy's playing well. Tabiner has a great round last round with seven. So I, it is hard to argue that Fremantle is just they're playing a great team style of footy. Like if I look, I look at you, Ross, and I ask you, can you name me, besides the guys that I just named, can you name me five other Fremantle Dockers that you can take off the top of your head? And some people that are not Fremantle Dockers fans are going to have trouble naming five other players on this Fremantle Dockers mm. team because they're not. there's not a ton of superstars. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of guys that play their role and play their role really, really well. And I have enjoyed watching this Fremantle footy team. They're going to be an absolute blast to watch. I think this is a team that's going to make the finals this year. I have a hard time unless injuries ravage this team, which again, being in WA is also the COVID issue too mm-hmm. that you potentially are running into nowadays, especially. This team can make the finals. I think will make the finals. I, yeah. I just I know we're six games in. Coach, what are you doing? We're, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. Yes. But they are sitting second on the ladder with a very healthy percentage, which is is almost like a bonus point mm-hmm. for a team. And they're playing really, really well. And they have made Optus Stadium, like West Coast, a fortress. It is very, very difficult to go west. They just beat a Carlton team that a lot of people said, Crips is back. They're going to go over and win in the west. What happened? Fremantle. Crips has a great game. Does very, very well. But Fremantle gets the chalkies in the long run. So Adam Chera's return to the West comes with a loss. So this Fremantle team, if they, like I said, if they can stay healthy, they, they're they going to be in this chance for the fin- not only the finals, but they could be a top four sign if they continue this up. Because Geelong yeah. is still iffy. Geelong is still iffy. Sydney has shown some vulnerabilities. Brisbane has shown some vulnerabilities. And there's your three other teams that are going to fight with you for the top four. So, honestly, looking at it, and with West and with the Western Bulldogs being down in eleventh place and currently a full game out plus percentage, I mean, you were you're talking about a Fremantle team that's got a lot of possibility of making the finals, and with their defensive style and the ability to make Optus Stadium a fortress, could be a very interesting threat against the Demons this year. Are the Demons a better team overall? Yes. But Fremantles, keep an eye on this Fremantle Doctors team because, like I said, they, they, they've they got some horses. They're going to be a fun team to watch this season. Cannot wait. And then on the – I'm, I'm going to – I hate going to the negative, but I'm going to mm-hmm. go to the negative. And my biggest surprise has to be the Essendon Bombers. I mean, the the, the floor has fallen biggest out on this Biggest disappointment of the season team. easily. 
easily. Well, you could you could say Port Adelaide, but again, I think a little bit the reason that Essendon is below Port Adelaide is more because Port Adelaide played a West Coast team that did not play really well, and mm-hmm. Port kind of put it on and boosting up the percentage. But just I don't. I honestly don't know what is wrong with this Essendon team. Yes, they've had some injuries. Yes, they're, they're, are they full strength? No. Yeah. But they played a brand of footy last year that they scored a ton of points, that they were they, they played at least good enough defense to keep in games, mm-hmm. and they've got neither, really. Like, they can't play defense, so they're giving up a ton of points, and they're not scoring the way they did last year, and that's really hurting them. At least last so year, I, even when I, they I, lost, I, they lost in exciting games because they're putting up a crap to the points and they lose close ones in a very high-scoring contest. Exactly. And, and then to your, your exactly. point about Fremantle, uh, with them being um, not a superstar heavy team, you know, you have your few guys, but then being pretty well-rounded, I'm going to throw it back because um, that's it's my bread and butter. It's my wheelhouse. It reminds me of a specific NFL team that was on a hell of a dynasty, and that's the New England Patriots because – that is that Bill Belichick ran team. They had superstars, of course. Like like every Super Bowl winning team has, you have superstars. You, they had Tom Brady. They had some good defenders. But I mean, they they had some good receivers there. What Welker. I mean, Edelman was some of them. Um, it's hard to name all their superstars because it went over like literally like two generations of, of players with how long that lasted, uh, which was horrible. Stupid. Tom Brady paying ass, but uh, <laughs> really, what they did—they built a really well-rounded team that was well coached. And look at them—they won six Super Bowls. This is—I'm not—I'm not calling Fremantle the next. Uh, I'm not calling them the next dynasty. I'm not calling the New England Patriots of the AFL. That's getting a little bit too ahead of myself right now. Even though I like to make those bold statements, but they're doing things the right way. They're absolutely doing things the right way. And then the team I watched out is my biggest surprise because not only have they played consistently, they've played consistently well. Shout out to the Saints, kill the Saints, because hats off to you guys. You're proving everyone wrong, and you're making me look a little bit right for my faith I had in you late last season. So, you know what? Thank you, guys. Um, I, I'm going to... Not going to hang my hat on Essendon. Let's go. Let's go St. Kilda now. Apparently, that's the team I'm going to be riding with uh, because the Giants don't want to win a game of footy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's great. And then the other, the other thing I would say, uh, a big surprise for me is Collingwood, Carlton, and St. Kilda all being having four teams from last year that were out of the finals that were in the mm-hmm. finals, and then vice versa with Port Adelaide, GWS. And the Western Bulldogs all not being in. Like, that's my biggest surprise is how much turnover. Normally, you get two, max three mm-hmm. teams from the previous season will drop out of the finals and you'll get two to three new teams. But having half of your top eight be teams that did not make finals last year is a big difference. So there, there's a lot of discussions. Now, when the Western Bulldogs get there, there's a possibility. I think if they get there's healthy, hope. I think they are just as good enough team, they'll get there. But their injuries right now are in worst possible spots because they lost Tim English, who it's hard not to argue at the time of his injury, he's was one of the best rucks in the entire competition. Mm-hmm. Is he that dominant Max Max gone Brody Grundy ruck? No. But he made an impact. He went forward. He was kicking goals. He was getting intercept marks defensively. He was around the ground and making an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just their injuries are hitting in just the wrong places. 
And it's like you're almost kind of going that vaunted midfield that everybody said, they're so deep, they're so good. Lockie Hunter goes out with mental health. And again, I want him to yeah. get healthy. I want yeah, him to get in the right headspace him. to play footy the way he wants. But his absence now is looming super large because this was an Adelaide Crows team that statistically is the youngest team in the entire competition every round. They have the least amount of games overall as a whole. So for them to for Western for the Western Bulldogs to drop that game against Adelaide, and again, I'm not not trying to bash Adelaide Adelaide fans here. I'm not bashing you. I think you've got a much better team. I think a lot of people gave them credit for. Mm-hmm. That's a t- that's a bad loss. That is a it bad is. loss, even with some of the injuries that you have, and it's now got people questioning their midfield, which. That was sacrilege last year with as deep as they were, as talented yes. as they were. Lockie Hunter goes out in this year now, and all of a sudden is is the is the midfield does the midfield have depth issues? That nobody would have thought that last year. So this is <laughs> it just shows you how differently this year could go, is that one one difference and then the ruck issue has now thrown this doggies team in to so much turmoil because we mm-hmm. just don't know will they bounce back or not. You know what? Um, for for the sake of when they finally play each other in a handful of rounds, I hope not. <laughs> so it's like, so the Giants have a chance of winning. Uh, but also, it, it, it's it's been it's been a pretty big surprise, especially you know, it, and there's it's hard because there's been signs of health. There's been signs of like. There, that finals team is still there, but then once you start to feel like, oh, okay, they're coming back, guys, and it just gets shot right back down. And oh no, they still suck. Never mind. Um, so sorry to all you uh, doggies fans out there. Hopefully, it gets better soon. Until unless you play the GWS Giants, and I hope you suck. Um, it's it's just going to be a horrible, horrible game. But the, somehow they might be able to make it good. Fingers crossed. Um, and the next thing we want to talk about is Donnie uh, was uh, actually, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Um, and it, this probably has a way bigger impact on uh, us as Americans than you guys do as Australians because it looks like we might actually be getting Australian football on a different platform um live here in the u.s you know besides just the watch afl app and to people around the states that is huge news because um the afl and fox have been essentially just giving the finger to each other i think this year uh, I, I maybe their um you know talks have gone a little bit diplomat more diplomatic than that one but that's what it feels like as fans we're just kind of getting you know kind of pushed to the side here so do we have good news, Donnie? Do we have good change coming to us, or is it actually just going to be more of bad? Okay, okay, Ross. Okay, Ross. I, as, as as much as as much as that that was a great intro, but the problem is, is there's a tiny bit wrong. Oh, what did okay. I mess up? The well, here, here's let me let me let me fully explain it because okay. then it'll make it'll make a okay. lot of sense. Because if, if I do it like that, it will be a little bit of a miscommunication. Gil McLaughlin of the AFL is currently as I, as it, it, if I read this correctly is currently in New York because he has a meeting with the executive producers of Paramount and he's trying to get meetings with Disney, a.k.a. ESPN Plus, and Amazon mm-hmm. 
basically what's what's is in two not this year and after next season the broadcasting rights in australia are up it's kind of like your nfl oh, it's for both. your broadcasting okay. rights okay so what's actually happening here is is that gill is trying to get a new deal set up before he goes this year to come on after the next deal ends after next season so it is not for Americans, like, and that's, and, and I don't mean to miss. Are we still getting screwed over then? With, Damn it! I thought I actually had some hope. Well, did, 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 well, let's 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 wait half a second okay. because here, okay. here's kind of my opinion on this, and and, and I'll say it, state it like this: Do I think that the a Paramount deal, a Disney, uh, a Disney slash ESPN Plus for many of us over here, sports fans over mm-hmm. here in the states? This may actually be somewhat of a of a blessing in disguise because again it's behind a paywall, mm-hmm. so which I understand. Many people are eh. but yeah. here's the thing. If for some crazy reason Disney does decide to pick this up, ESPN now has the ability to play it on ESPN, ESPN two, ESPN News, ESPN Plus. So there is the possibility that we could get it over here on television if that de- if that deal were to sign there. Paramount Plus is CBS. So some of the CBS sports channels potentially could play AFL. So there is the possibility for for us over here in the states that this deal that Gil's trying to work out could potentially see footy being a little bit more available mm. shall we say because if you look at paramount plus prescriptions if you look at hulu slash disney the hulu the disney plus bundle slash hulu mm-hmm. slash espn plus there are a lot of subscribers that are subscribed to that that are not sports fans or are sports fans that don't know about the afl so i think there's, there's a, a hidden possibility <laughs> I, there's a hidden possibility mm-hmm. that you could get some more footy fans off of this so yes i understand it's behind a paywall and and i and i get those arguments i really really do but i put this up to a few people i said this potentially could get it in front of more eyeballs at least here in the states mm-hmm. kind of on accident shall we say and, it, and it's not really on accident cuz it's not it's i mean it's people that have now that pay for these subscriptions that Get it. The one that frustrates me is I'm not an Amazon person. I never have been. So yep. the people that do, I, I again, I, I respect you. I don't want Amazon to do this because I don't want to have to get Amazon Prime to be able to see any footy, no matter what. Yep. So personally, I've already got Paramount Plus. I've already got the ESPN bundle and ESPN yep. Plus. So if Disney or Paramount does this deal, I'm good. Because it will affect me almost none because I've already got those particular mm-hmm. streaming services. The question will be is, is it an add-on thing to where there's like a game on there or is there more to it? There, there's still a lot to be, again, there's a lot of discussions. And this is in some, this could even be just Gil posturing, trying to get streaming service so then he can get Telstra and Fox back home in Australia to throw in a few more hundred million dollars to mostly keep it in the state, mostly keep it in Australia. Well, it, so, it definitely sounds like there's to me still that you, it, like the ways like just TV in general going streaming services are huge. Um, for me, I think 
best case, at least personally, would be if ESPN, um, Disney, I guess, picks it up. Even though, um, like, if you guys actually know me, I am uh, def- the farthest thing from a uh, Disney fan. I hate ESPN. That's why I'm trying to, you know, take them over somehow. Um, so, you know, hop on the bandwagon, please. Uh, we got a little bit of work to do. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I kind of <laughs> have to use ESPN because that's the UFC streaming main streaming service. It's on ESPN Plus, um, but also ESPN Plus is a huge service with how many sports it covers, how much extra stuff is there. Uh, I'd be I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that it's one of the highest subscribed, at least with sports. It's probably the highest um, um, subscription rate of any you know subscription based. Um, you know, kind of sports streaming service in the world. So if the AFL wants to get more more eyes on this product, that would be huge. Um, and also, especially when it comes to, you know, enticing Americans, most of the people I know at least know about, if not have an ESPN Plus account or at least use one. This would be getting a lot of people on board because if they're anything like me, all it took was, oh, I see half a game. I'm like, oh, I like this sport. I want to watch some more. You just have to get to five minutes of food in front of someone, and they're probably going to be a fan. Yeah, I and that's and that's kind of the thing that I've noticed too. Is like if you can get this game in front of Americans in certain ways, mm-hmm. I think you're going to get a lot more fans being able to get the access to it. So. Now again, this is this is the TV streaming rights for Australia. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things still up in the air. So, yep. and, and this is something that, that I don't think this is going to get done in the next week or so. This is, I mean, we're talking two three months down the road. But I like I I, I respect the Gills trying to find a way to kind of get it not only Absolutely. on free to air TV in Australia, but also trying to find a way to get it on streaming services because I mean so many sporting events, More than just so to watch sporting AFL codes are trying to, are trying to find a way to get it streamed. Mm-hmm. So I, I I understand that and respect that. My only worry is is that is this going to become something where the only way to see it is behind mm. a paywall? I mean, even yep. even back in Australia, is that you've got KO and you, but you've got free to air games on Channel Seven and Channel and Channel Nine. That's where so it probably crosses the, the proverbial line, huh? Well, and that's the thing where Paramount Plus owns ten down in Australia. So some people are saying if okay. Paramount Plus were to get it. It would still be okay for Australia because Channel 10 would then take over coverage for the free-to-air stuff, mm-hmm. and then you'd maybe be get one game, maybe two games on Paramount+. Plus. The rest of it are on kind of the local channels mm-hmm. enough. But then it's like for us over here in the States is how does that affect Watch AFL? Yep. Like because I believe Watch AFL is a Fox-connected thing. So if Foxtel doesn't get it. How does that affect it? Like, there's there's a lot of the, ramifications, not only for Australia. I really but do also like the Watch AFL lab too. So, yeah, I, I, I and think I do it's, too. It's I, I think, it's, good I think it's very good. Yes. Also, well, especially uh, for international fans. Most of the commentators as well. The the Fox ones are my favorite. I can't really I can't um, really name them by name. Uh, I just know that they're 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 fun. They're better than most of the ones I have to listen to here in the states. Maybe it's the accent. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know exactly what it is, but to me, it's just. 
Uh, it's Macca's. <laughs> <laughs> no, and one thing as well. It's all those, because it's all I know, those awesome Macca's commercials. Yes, that's the thing, Donnie. <laughs> if they take away the only time I've ever enjoyed watching commercials over the last six years of my life, you know, because Super One, Super Bowl ones suck now, and they're never going to be good again. The only commercials I will put up watching are the Australian ones, and I can only get those on my Watch AFL app. I need that, and I need those to not be stripped away from me because, I, well, actually, no. Some of the um, on some of the the streams I totally totally don't pirate are Australian ESPN streams or something like that. So I still get some good ones there. <laughs> I I can't lose that. But also, you know, I I just think that this if they can do the best of both worlds, where they get it on this uh, on a streaming platform where more people could watch it, but also have the free-to-watch games in, in Australia as well. That's going to be the best solution here. But I will already, I preemptively feel bad for those Americans that go, oh, what sport is this? Australian football. Oh, this is really fun to watch. Oh, what's the next game? Three in the morning. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Guess I'm not watching that one live. <laughs> the horrible realization of what Australian viewing time is for us here in the states. Uh. Unfortunately, <laughs> it, it's something. It's something that you kind of you kind of learn to you kind of learn to get to get used to it. Is that um, the the times are never. Never adequate, shall we say? For, unless for we're talking now, about unless, later unless, this unless, week unless when we live stream ones. at nine forty-five Mountain Time, ten forty-five uh, Central Time, and eleven forty-five Eastern Time. And just for the hell of it, it's going to be at eight forty-five Pacific Time. Coach Donnie and I, and maybe some special guests, will be streaming. Um, oh, was it Jalong? Jalong and. In Hawthorne? Geelong and Fremantle. Fremantle, that's GMHBA the one. GMHBA Stadium. Yes, right? I should. No, no, I'm stupid. But yes, that's going to be a good one. Actually, on in a decent time for us. So, say, hey, it's a Friday. I don't have a personal life. Coach, do you have a personal life? Apparently not. We're going to watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't mean to call you out like that. I'm calling myself out mostly. Uh, it's, hey, it's at, a de- it's, at a decent, it's at a decent time for exactly. me. So 1045, I can, I can handle on a Friday night because it's not like I have to rush to get up the next day, early <sighs> morning. The best part of Sydney doesn't play till Sunday, early a.m., so I have plenty of time to sleep in. See, so that's I thought, perfect. This is a cracking game. This is a cracking game between t- two top three sides, so what the heck, why not? So you guys got to come and tune in uh, as we watch that one as well. But let's know your thoughts. What do you think about the whole TV and streaming situation that Gil is currently handling? And what has been the biggest surprise to you over the first six rounds? But it's time, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to say what the blank. It's time to fill in the blank. It's time to, uh, I, I, I'm running out of ideas here, I guess. It's what the blank, man. What the blank is wrong with me? And what the blank is what we're going to do? Because it's time for what the blank. Wow, wow. Who could have seen that one coming? I totally did not preface that one at all. Uh, but for those that, Ooh, shocked me. Right? I really pulled a crack at you on that one. Uh, but we got, for those that don't know how this works, it's t- it's essentially fill in the blank, but it's with a funny name because I like profanity. Ha! I'm so funny. Uh, but I got three statements for Coach Donnie here, and there's a blank either the beginning, the middle, or the end. And it's up to him to fill it in with whatever he so chooses. It could be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be an essay, it could be a grunt. As long as he fills it in, that is the only rule <laughs> here. Uh, but starting us off, statement number one, 
blink. Oh, man, and to preface this, man, if you take a look at the injury report, especially if you're trying to, you know, get your fantasy team set up, oh, boy, it's a nightmare. So <laughs> it was not a good round for injuries, especially if you're a ruck. Um, you know, they need to put you in the padded room in the little bubble ball so you don't get hurt. But saber number one, blink, was the most impactful injury in round six. Oh, this one, this one's hard because I think that the two names that I think come up the most are are the two rocks, and it's I'm even sparked some people to discuss if if they need to change the rocking rules to be able to keep. And, and I I agree with what one person said is it, they're freak accidents. They're not something. They're not something that is done intentionally. It's, I don't think it's they're literally necessarily just preventable accident. Well, some people would say they're preventable, but it really does. It completely changes the rock contest yeah. if you do change it. So I, I, I think they they aren't accidents. And it's P, mm -hmm. the PCL injury, which tends to be a rock injury because you got two very long, large men jumping up and they bang knees. And if one hits the knee just right, the PCL has, has issues. So both Brody Grundy and Mark Pittnett of Colin, Collingwood and Carlton, respectively, mm -hmm. both are out for at least 10 to 12 weeks of PCL injuries. And I went through the two of them, and it's hard to really separate them because you're separating hairs. If I had to choose one, I'd actually say Mark Pittnett mm. because I think Carlton's midfield really benefited from having first footy. And when you have Cripps, when you have Walsh, when you have Chera, when you have Hewitt, a lot of very good first ball winning midfielders, they need the footy to make an impact. Mm -hmm. If they're having to play defense, they're not as solid. Hewitt's a really good defending defending midfielder. Walsh is good. Chera is good. Cripps has his moments. It'll just kind of depend on where it is. If Carlton doesn't get the footy first, they are on the back foot, especially with their defensive woes that I think they're still having, which I think in the next few weeks we're really going to test and see how that back line really functions as they start playing better and better competition as the year goes on. So I think Mark Pitnett is actually the biggest injury because I think Jared Witts toweled them up when he didn't play, when Pitnett didn't play the previous week due to health and safety protocols. And Jared Witts absolutely talented him up, and you saw Gold Coast beat Carlton. Carlton did not look the same. Mm -hmm. It was not the same team that we had seen previous weeks, which then, as many so eloquently did, is, is the, the joke that many Carlton fans were buying grand final tickets. Now they're trying to sell them after they lost to Gold Coast. So it was it was kind of the, the great little circle of life that is <laughs> as a Carlton yeah. Blues supporter. Um. So I think Mark Pettinett's injury, I think, is huge because they don't have another big body. They have DeConning, but DeConning is rather slight in size. Mm -hmm. So he has to af he has to af try to beat you athletically, but he's young, so he still doesn't have the ruck craft as, say, some of these older rucks that are going. he's going to face over these next few rounds. So I think Pittnet is the biggest impact. I think Collingwood has enough size with Darcy Cameron and with Mason Cox. I think they have enough... Brody Majacek, I think, can pitch hit there enough that I think they'll be okay because they're not as ball necessary mm -hmm. to make impacts because they're a lot a little bit better defensively. Again, Carlton fans, no, no offense, but I think Collingwood's just a little bit more structurally sound defensively at this present point right now as the season is going. So I don't think Grundy's impact is 
as much of a loss because Grundy's not the Grundy of three years ago where he was the best ruck in the entire competition. He could go up and down the field for days, no issues, good intercept marker, good kicker. He's kind of lost a few steps over the last couple of years. So whether his impact is the same is probably is probably one of the reasons why I would say that. So, yeah, I think Mark, Mark Pitt is the bigger injury. So we'll have to see how Carlton's season goes because that's a big loss for them. Mm-hmm. And statement number two, what we got for you guys is there's a lot of talk. This time it's it's the time of the year where you get some new contracts for some <laughs> young players, and then some of the questions come up is there's a lot. There's actually a pretty good amount of candidates right now that you could be the next one to sign that ten year contract, that lifelong contract. So Donnie, statement number two, and hell, there's maybe even giants or two on this one. Um, but the next player to sign a 10-year contract will be blank. Oh, next 10-year contract. Look into oh, your crystal man. ball. Honestly, there's there's two guys that pop right in the back of my head, and, and I'm interested to see if they have to go somewhere to get this contract or they could get it where they are. Mm. I, I could see one potentially not getting a 10-year contract because of it. And, and there, there's two, and they're both actually Ruckman. And that's Luke Jackson of the Melbourne Demons and Tim English of the Western Bulldogs. Mm. And the reason that I say this is because Fremantle has spending money. And both of those two young men are Western Australians. Oh. So I'm, I'm, and I'm hearing, I am hearing from Damian Barrett, Matt Brown, and, and, and uh, some of the, the reporters that both of those two are very, very sought after players mm. from both clubs out west to bring them home with their abilities because Nat Nui is probably on the on the latter half of his career. Yes, you've got Oscar Allen there, but how is that going to go? Are they going to try to get English? Are they going to try to get Luke Jackson to sign and come home to WA to be that ro- roving ruckman <laughs> for their WA club? I think Jackson is most likely the one that probably is going to get it because he's so talented. Can he get it at Melbourne? I think he can get it at Melbourne. Will he? Ooh, that's the big question because mm. you've got guys like Petraka, You've got guys like Oliver. Mm-hmm. You've got guys like Gone. All of them there. You've got May. You've got Lever. It's going to be hard to pay someone Brown, in, in Melbourne. I'm, I'm going to say this, and again, Melbourne fans, I'm not trying to, to supersede this. I think Melbourne's going to start having the issue that Richmond had this coming up, upping off season. People keep Richmond has had the previous three seasons is that fringe players and players that are at the bottom part of your 22 are going to get big contracts and you're going to lose talent. A lot like what's happened with Richmond. Mm -hmm. Richmond's depth was picked apart like a crow eating a, a dead carcass. They're slowly picking away the meat of the carcass. And I think that's going to start happening to Melbourne is that teams are going to start getting their players Mm -hmm. to sign contracts away. And it's going to eat up that depth that Melbourne right now is benefiting from. They've got a ton of depth. They can, they can handle injuries, but eventually a guy like Luke Jackson goes and then a guy like Jake Bowie goes and then Aspargo and these younger players that are, they're, they're on the team, but, they're not Clayton Olivers. They're not the Petrakas. They're not the Leavers. They're not the Mays. They're not the Gons. Yeah. They're not going to be able to afford to pay all of these guys great big contracts. A team may. So that's where I'm kind of sitting where 
I think it's it's English or it's Jackson. I think are the, is the next ten year contract because they're still young. They're great ruck forwards that can go forward, kick goals, and I think there's a W. I think there's a WA team that's willing to spend the money because of the fact that they have a young list, and I think they've got the cash. They're, they're going to try. And I, could I see it? Yes. No, I think you make some great points there, especially with the correlation of what the D's are to the Richmond Tigers, because we're talking about the D's in the way that, oh, yes, it's Richmond is you know down and out. It's time for a new dynasty to take place. Is that the Melba Demons? Uh, only time will tell. They've only won one flag. We'll have to see if they can win another. But also, you know, they they're a potential dynasty team with a you know a, a Brownlow Medal winner in there. Um, you know, Chris Petraka, i.e., to um, to... Wow, I am horrible with names right now. Donnie, help me out. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sweet damn. It... Why can I Team? remember the greatest player in the league like a couple years ago when I first started watching? Um, Dusty Martin? Dusty, what the hell? It is a bad day to be live. <laughs> wow. You know it's well, bad. And, 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 some good, forgetting... and some good news on that. He's back He's back at Tigerland training. He won't play this it's week against the West Coast weeks, Eagles. Right? But I, I, mean, yeah. I, I think next round, not this round, I think next round potentially he could be back. Just kind of depends. Supposedly he came back in super good nick. He's been running really well. He's had running days the last couple of days. They said he looks fit. He looks fit and firing. He looks good. So I, I, it will not shock me if... Let's see. This is round seven, I believe. Be back by round this 10? Is, yeah. I think do not, it will not shock me if round eight, Melbourne Ooh. Cricket Ground versus Collingwood, the Dusty Martin is in the lineup. It will not Ooh. shock me a bit. Ooh. Wouldn't that bring the fans there? Hot damn. Um, but I think if I had to choose one to, it, it, to, to be able to like maybe buy English, let's, let's put team, team English out there. Um, between the, the, those WA teams, uh, West Coast, and Fremantle, I would love, and I, if I just had to throw a prediction out there, predicting, no, it's a prediction within the predictions, going after your prediction of who's the next, you know, 10-year guy, and it's a prediction of what team is going to go to, so this is a big leap, um, you know, in terms of the odds, but him and Purple and Gray sounds like a mighty fine future, especially if Frio keeps up this season, who knows, they maybe need to add just an extra piece and if you need to add just an extra piece to complete your team, Tim English is definitely a piece that fits into any puzzle of any team. Well, and all due respect to Rory Lobb, but I think Tim English would be a a, a vast upgrade. No, all, oh, yeah. all due respect, yeah. and Rory Lobb's been playing pretty well. But I think Tim English is an upgrade because then Sean Darcy doesn't have to ruck most of the game. He can Gosh. go rest up full forward mm-hmm. and... Imagine Sean Darcy is a resting full forward with his size and mass and ability. Wait, that so Sean is Darcy is a resting full process. forward while you also have a fantastic ruck there? That we is have a fantastic scary. running ruck in Tim English. Well, and the other scary part is, like Lethal. I said, think about it. If if it's not English and it's Luke Jackson goes out there, Jackson already knows how to be Jackson already knows how to be a good resting ruck slash full forward with Max gone. So he's already been able to do it, mm-hmm. and, and think about Darcy and Jackson together. I mean, again, it's 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 a twin it's a twin tower situation. So I, I'm very fascinated to see how it goes. Now, I mean, is there a possibility that Jackson signs a small contract to stay with Melbourne as long as they're winning and winning big? Yes, this is definitely mm-hmm. a possibility. How this season goes for the Western Bulldogs could make or break whether English stays because 
he is kind of that linchpin of their team. And if he goes, I mean, Stefan Martin is on the latter half of his con, latter half of his year. So imagine the dog, imagine the doggies having the issue of Tim English goes and signs with Fremantle. Stefan Martin retires. Now the doggies got to go looking for a Rockman. Mm. Oh boy. That'll be inter- That'll be quite interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. They've got some young, they got some young guys like Sam Darcy who potentially could be a rock as your youngster, but do you want an 18 year old stepping in the rock? No, you don't. You don't really want an 18 year old stepping into gone and Grundy and wits and Darcy and Riley O'Brien and either Lanham's like or, Hickey a, uh, or, or Braden. There's so many big bodies. Exactly. Yeah. So you got to develop a little bit more too. to see. And also, a shout-out exactly. to Raw. Th- thanks for joining us. Uh, and thanks for coming as well. He says that there uh, won't be any more 10-year contracts. Just puts the salary cap of clubs under too much pressure. So maybe 10-year contracts are in the past, like, 1,000 goal kickers and 100 goal kickers as well. Uh, your thoughts on that? Is it dead? I no, I, I can see it just because of the fact that most of these 10-year contracts are very difficult to get through. Like, I, yeah. again, when Buddy signed his... I wouldn't be surprised. When Buddy signed his contract, everybody was like, there's no way he'll get through it. There's no way he'll get to the end of his contract. He did. But it took a lot, including mm-hmm. a full season where he didn't... At least a full season, at least one full season where he didn't play and a couple of seasons where he played two or three games. Many people in, in Collingwood land say, did Grundy sign his contract? And then he's went to absolute, to the you-know-what hole since then. Yes, you can say that. <laughs> so I agree. I, I think it's hard It's hard to find a 10-year contract. I I absolutely agree with that. I don't think you see a 10-year contract. I see you five, six-year contracts, maybe seven max. But even that's mm-hmm. pushing it. Pushing because it. the way, the, the, the wear and tear on the body that these guys have to go through, it, it, it is difficult. It is very, very difficult to get through seven seasons considering the average nowadays is like two seasons. So I, Sound like I, the NFL I, I, don't, I don't see a 10-year contract. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're going to get kicked up and spit out, especially at the ruck position. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the, the signing for life situation is more of probably a couple of two or three year contracts here and there. And then a six year, once they hit their prime, when their biggest money situation, Mm -hmm. and then that's probably your, your career at 10 or 12 years max. And even again, it's hard to find guys that are going to get 12, 13, 14 years because the game as physical as demanding as it is. I think the 300 and 400 game monikers are going to be much less and less frequent, which is the other reason why I agree. I have a hard time seeing too many people get close to the thousand goal marker because if guys are only playing for 10 seasons, you got to kick a hundred goals to get a thousand unless you're going to have a 13, 14 year season. And then you're still having to kick 70, 75, which is not Mm -hmm. easy because the way defenses are structured. I mean, you're winning the Coleman at 75. Yeah. You do 75, 10 consecutive years. That's not easy. Just be a hundred goal kicker. Uh (laughs) That would be, the I mean, it'd, it'd be great to have, but it it hasn't happened for years, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, we we don't have the the Dunstall the Dunstalls the plugger locket seasons where you got guys kicking 120, 130 goals. That just doesn't happen anymore. You no, know, consistently kicking like eight to ten goals a game, just ridiculous yep. numbers. Take a look back, at like taking uh, me taking when I when I took a look back at like pluggers numbers and stuff like that. I was looking at that on the lead up to they're ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Like I, especially with the game that I've seen over the last three years, I can't even comprehend how that is a thing. But apparently, five 
is going to be the new 10 in the future. And speaking of 10, add a couple zeros because <laughs> that is going to be my half-assed segue. Uh, statement number three. Marvel Stadium means blank to me. I put that out there because we're on the um, verge of its 1,000th game with the Essendon and the Doggies in round seven. It's very interesting because for me, Marvel Stadium means we kept footy. Because mm. if you look back to 2020, if it weren't for the AFL owning Marvel Stadium, we may now have footy. I mean, footy could have, went, I mean, at least AFL footy could have went under because so much finances were in it. And if they weren't going to have the season, there goes the TV contract. There goes all this money for these clubs. So Marvel Stadium, really, it's hard to argue. Marvel Stadium is not the reason we still have footy nowadays because they they got a big, massive loan, six like some some over six hundred million dollars from the from the stadium to be able to finance twenty twenties end of the season with all the hubs and everything like that, and that's the reason why footy came on. So for me, Marvel Stadium means we kept footy, we kept AFL footy alive because if it weren't for that, who knows if we would still have the AFL as it is still functioning after all that happened during the COVID situation. That's a fantastic point. To me, I guess with Marvel, my first introduction to Marvel was a few years ago. Um, and it wasn't for footy. It was for MMA. The UFC had an event there uh, with uh, um, with Israel Adesanya taking on Robert Whitaker. Um, I believe that was when Izzy took the middleweight championship for the first time. So, and I... I just to see that tiny little octagon, that 30-foot-wide octagon in that giant stadium was quite the spectacle. And also, I thought it's so funny how they had, like, 50 rows of, you know, like, little just plastic chairs um, on ground level. I'm like, how do you see that? <laughs> right? Uh, even, you know, you're 50 rows back, there's just one tall person in front of you, and that's it. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to look at the big screens, right? Yeah, you You know what? It would be cool to be there in person if you have to watch on the big screen, especially in that moment. But Marvel Stadium, I think it's it's a really good-looking stadium, you know? It's one of those nice ones. Is it mm -hmm. historic? Is it like the MCG? You know, no, it's not, but it's it's a beautiful-looking stadium. And uh, I, I think, like, most of the stadiums that the AFL plays in, they're all pretty good-looking, you know? Even well, the smaller they, capacity and if ones. And if they're not, well, and even if they're not brand new, they have history. I mean, you look at exactly. the Adelaide Oval and you look at the Sydney Cricket Ground; they have a lot of history. And mm -hmm. if you if you look at just the outline of the Adelaide Oval, it's just a gorgeous view of the old scoreboard. That, and I that think they both look good. Scores well. for years. Oh, exactly. And the Sydney the yeah. Sydney Cricket Ground. A lot of people still say one of one of the pictures that came from Buddies a thousand had the old stand in the background, and it's oh. this really cool architecture in the back. So they are mm -hmm. gorgeous stadiums. Yes, I mean you've got the Marvel that is Optus Stadium. That's the brand new stadium that was built in like a Coliseum, which is and Optus fantastic. is a pretty bitchin' stadium. Let's <laughs> well, not. There's exactly. something not in that. And then the MC and then the MCG. And the MCG has all the history. It has the massive capacity over all around a hundred thousand. But each and every one of the stadiums that, that, that currently hold some of most of the games throughout the AFL season all have some kind of great thing about them. The mm -hmm. GABA has history. The SCG has history. MCG. Marvel's got history. 
They funny all thing have I find a soul. Is, is that they all have a soul. It's hard to find that in some of the unless you the unless, newer. You ta- unless you talk to uh, <laughs> unless you talk to the Richmond coach. Oh, <laughs> there is no soul in Marvel. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Richmond fans. I, oh, I could, that's I great. We got Gary Diggy, no. you guys. No. Um, just just go hug your flags. Um, well, um, the, but like, especially well, in the stadiums, that, especially in the states, there's some that just don't have a soul. Like the Texas Rangers stadium. Okay, the inside, it's gorgeous. But if you're looking for the outside, it looks worse. It, it, they literally took a airplane hangar and slapped a big old T on the side, and boom, there's your stadium. It's not good. Well, and, and a lot of the, so many of the new stadiums, they're they're built so fancy and funky to where it's they got all this, and they they're just they're almost becoming geometric shapes. Like the new the, the new Mercedes Benz Stadium in Georgia is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Way it's Bank built, Stadium, so. yeah, yeah. Even though I well, think that one's kind of the Vikings, stadium, the, the new SoFi like Stadium. SoFi, I do, yeah. I, I do kind of like SoFi though. I'm gonna be honest; it's pretty nice. Allegiant looks like a giant Roomba in the middle of a desert. Not sure if I'm a fan of that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here, here's it, well, here's, it's a perfect the vacuum. Thing, but... Of course, you need a vacuum for that team, is because it's trying to clean up the trash as the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Even on the AFL show, well, I still here, found let... a way to trash on the Raiders. I win. Well, let's. Let's 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 go to this. The other funny thing when it comes to Marvel Stadium is the fact is that you got to ask what what era you were watching originally because the thing mm. has changed names so many times. It's Docklin Stadium. It's it's Etihad Stadium. It's Marvel State. The thing has changed three or four times. So it depends on when when abouts you paid attention to footy there because it's changed <laughs> names several times. Like sometimes when I'm talking to Aussies, they they start talking about Docklands, and originally I go, "What's oh yeah, we're talking about Marvel." <laughs> Because that's what its name is now, because it's changed several times. Mm-hmm. So again, it's it, it doesn't have it doesn't have the history that the MCG does, but it, it is a stadium that has has some interesting characteristics to it. It is a faster yeah. ground because it has the roof. Like the MCG doesn't have a roof, so you can play indoors in the middle of the winter, and you can shut the roof, and it's nice, perfect footy weather. You mean There's summer? Wind, none of that. So. <laughs> no, it's winter. You got to remember, it's a winter sport down there. No, so. I know. I just want to throw. <laughs> uh, now I'm talking smack about your guys' season patterns. What now? What are you going to do? Put a hot dog and not eat it in the bun, but on a piece of white bread? You freaking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, be careful there, bunning, bunnings and bunnings and sausage sizzles. Very, 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 very <laughs> Aussie. Don't, don't. I wouldn't trash that. Be very careful where you tread on that one. Hey, what's who should I avoid um, uh, insulting more? The the snag or, the, or crocodile Dundee? I don't know which is more of a national treasure. Uh, I don't know. I, I think yeah. you can probably get it a little bit more of the Crocodile Dundee because it's it, I definitely it's can't such talk, a, it's talk smack about Steve Irwin. I stay away. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. You can't do that. That's that's too much. That's too much of an institution there. But oh, no, that's a whole country again, turning on you in an instant. <laughs> very not, very not, quickly. But again, I'm not trying be to very careful when it comes for to a the wrong sausage. take on Steve Irwin. <laughs> I'm more okay with it yeah. being like. Oh, uh, he's been soft. I do love a good sausage. All right, um, I'm gonna get hungry. Let's keep going. Yep. <laughs> but that's well, you got your onion, you got your onion, you got your onions too, oh, and your tomatoes, and, and, your, and your tomato. Yep. Hey, keep that, that veggie mine away. Good old fashioned sausage sizzle. Keep that veggie mine away from me. You, you, you guys are weird. You know it's bad when <laughs> even Australians are super torn on it as well. So I, I don't want to hear it. Um, also, it's just. 
they're going to attack me with like a, they're going to like ship me a dingo or something like that. I don't know if that's possible. Is that can you? I'm sure if I had enough money, I could order a dingo. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Let, let's get back on We're track. We're off the rails <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh, but that's going to do it for what the blank. Um, who you guys think is the most impactful injury um, so far? And what are the odds that you buy me a dingo? Um, we'll drop that in the comments or in the stream right now. Um, would love to hear. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, my girlfriend loves dogs. Dingoes, essentially it, except they're more prone to eating babies. So, Hey, just give me a pit bull instead, possibly. But we're going to... It's time for... Oh, man, I'm saying a lot of things. <laughs> oh, man, you guys are in for something uh, this round. This is what happens while I'm mentally exhausted from the day. A lot of stupid stuff just comes out of my mouth unplanned. Uh, hopefully that adds to your guys' enjoyment and not malice towards me. But what we're going to jump into now, before we get into our tips, it's time for the greatest list in all the lands, the one that spans across the biggest ocean in the galaxy. And I can say that because I don't know about a bigger ocean. Um, so without further ado, it is time for Coach Donnie's team of the round. Coach, throw it, throw it ass. What you got for us this round? Oh man, this this would be a fun one because this there's a especially for the forwards. We had a lot of a lot of guys kicking a lot of bags, so there was definitely a little bit little bit easier to pick the forwards and, and some interesting performances. Let's jump right into it again. We, we always start team of the week with the, the defenders. Because defenders win championships. Let's start off with Adelaide's Billy Frampton. 26 disposals, 10 intercept possessions, 4 score involvements, 9 marks, and 502 meters gained. Continuing an amazing season and an amazing story is Carlton's Sam Doherty. 32 disposals, 6 intercept possessions, 3 score involvements, 7 marks, 3 tackles, and 478 meters gained. Yes, they didn't play very well, but we got to get a guy in to the team of the week from the North Melbourne Roos, and that is Luke McDonald with 22 disposals, a goal, a defender kicking a goal. How come that's so North Melbourne this year? Four intercept (laughs) possessions, seven marks, three tackles, and 379 meters gained. Mr. Consistency, and that is Geelong's Tom Stewart. 23 disposals, 8 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 5 score involvements, 9 marks, and 495 meters gained. The man with the leg, that is Brisbane's Daniel Rich. 26 disposals, 7 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 6 score involvements, 3 marks, 3 tackles, and 307 meters gained. Yes, Richmond did not get the Chalkies, but again, another great performance on the defensive end by Nick Lawston, 30 disposals, 13 intercept possessions, a goal assist, four score involvements, 12 marks, three tackles, and 544 meters gained. We jump to the ruck, and he's back, sir, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, he's injured, but he still gets my team of the week starting ruck, and that is Mr. Brody Grundy. There we go. Collingwood Magpie, 16 disposals, a goal Four intercept possessions, two goal assists, four six score involvements, six marks, three clearances, thirty three hitouts, and two hundred and forty one meters gained. I find it really funny. My midfielders this year, there's a couple of superstars and a couple of kind of surprises here. So I'm interested to see what some of you guys think of this. Midfielders will start off. GWS's Callum Warren has an incredible game. 
out to start off against the the St. Kilda Saints with 21 disposals, two goals, a behind, four intercept possessions, seven score involvements, four marks, nine tackles, and 360 meters gained. Again, kind of showing how the Western Bulldogs midfield has been kind of up in the air. We have Adam Trelore from the Western Bulldogs getting the nod here with 22 disposals, two goals, six score involvements, three clearances, five tackles, and 220 meters gained. Port Adelaide's Dan Houston continuing a good season for him, making up for some of the deficiencies at Port Adelaide with 33 disposals, a goal, a behind, 11 intercept possessions, four score involvements, six marks, three clearances, four tackles and 457 meters gained. He's out one week, he's back, and he, again, goes right back into the team of the week with a great performance, and that is Carlton's Patrick Cripps. 32 disposals, three goals, a behind, three intercept possessions, seven score involvements, four marks, eight clearances, three tackles, and 251 meters gained. No, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a homer pick because this gentleman had one heck of a game against Hawthorne, and that is Sydney's Callum Mills 37 disposals, a goal, seven intercept possessions, a goal assist, 11 score involvements, 11 marks, six clearances, five tackles, and 660 meters game. We jump to the men that kick the goals, and lordy, oh lordy, did we have a lot. We'll start off with St. <laughs> Kilda's Jack Higgins, eight team disposals, four goals, three behinds, three intercept possessions, a goal assist, 10 score involvements, nine marks, three tackles, and 427 meters gained. Port Adelaide's Todd Marshall, 14 disposals, five goals, a behind, seven score involvements, 11 marks, seven tackles, and 343 meters gained. And his fellow counterpart, also from the Port Adelaide, from the Port Adelaide Football Club, is Jeremy Finlayson. Nineteen mm. disposals, five goals as well, mm-hmm. two behinds, two goal assists, eleven score involvements, six marks, three tackles, and two hundred and ninety-five meters gained. Setting a record in Tassie is Geelong's Jeremy Cameron. Sixteen disposals, seven goals, three behinds, a goal assist, thirteen score involvements, nine marks, and four hundred and twenty-eight meters gained a particularly impressive performance from Zach Bailey of the Brisbane Lions 17 disposals 6 goals 8 score involvements 3 marks 319 meters gained but to kick 3 of his goals in the wet was pretty impressive there so that I was a give really him a good nod. showing it only for the six like goals. A, if you didn't watch the game it definitely you wouldn't even know it was raining <laughs> Yeah, especially his one-handed pickup for the snap goal that he did. I think it was yes. fourth or fifth. That was an incredible Got goal there. Got some stick on and those last hands. last but not least, starting in the starters, the man, the myth, the legend at, at such a young age, and that's Collingwood's Jack Genovan. Twelve disposals, five goals, five score involvements, five marks, and 355 meters gained. And one crowd silencer. I want to throw that stat here as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we jump to the bench, also from the Collingwood Magpies, defender Jeremy Howe. 22 disposals, 9 intercept possessions, 4 score involvements, 13 marks, and 335 meters gained. Our midfield bench player is Mr. Jared Lyons of the Brisbane Lions. 30 disposals, a goal, 5 score involvements, 13 clearances, 10 tackles, and 873 meters gained. Continuing another great season is the Rockman from the Fremantle Dockers, Sean Darcy. 12 disposals, a goal, a behind, four intercept possessions, a goal assist, seven score involvement, six marks, three clearances, three tackles, and 29 hitouts for the big Rockman from the Dockers. And rounding out our team of the week 
is Geelong's forward Tommy Hawkins. 17 disposals, 4 goals, a behind 2 goal assists, 10 score mm-hmm. involvements, 5 marks, and 321 meters gained. And as you can see, ladies and gentlemen, there were a lot of goals kicked by just these gentlemen alone, considering 4 goals was the minimum to make my team of the round this year in the forward. <laughs> so it's showing you 3 goals ain't good enough because That's you been almost like got to get 4 to get on too. the team of the week. Most of the season is probably you got to kick the four. Second, Man. Well, this is the second straight week. The top goal kicker for the round has seven in, in his pocket. So that, that was pretty impressive there. Jimmy so, Cameron, something else. Goal kicking. Man, it sure would be cool to see him in orange and gray right about now. Or charcoal, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, I want to take a – maybe we'll have to do that. Like, halfway through the season, we'll have to take a, a look back at, at that trade they made um, a year and a half ago. You know, it was three first-rounders. For Jeremy Cameron, there's clearly, at least mm-hmm. as of now, there's one team having a lot more success right now. So um, that's one thing we'll keep on the back burner, you guys. And we could uh, retake a look at that draft um, and how that could be a fun series to do in the off season. Um, maybe maybe we'll throw some ideas out there. What do you think, Donnie? Keep an eye on that? Maybe, definitely. It's, it, it's definitely one to keep an eye on because, again, I, you almost look at it, too, is is, is – do you look at it as does does Geelong win the trade if they get a premiership flag, or does GWS win it if Geelong doesn't? Because in the long run, yes, Jeremy Cameron takes over as the kind of top forward when Tommy Hawkins goes. But in the long run, you've got some three number three first round picks that GWS will have mm-hmm. that's all together could potentially span another five to seven more years after Jeremy Cameron. Uh, is done playing mm-hmm. so, so there's it, it, it kind of depends on how you look at it also it's up that, to your that, philosophy that definitely a trade well. so i love it's, well, it's, it's gonna be a good debate now, because it's probably it a subjectivity it in, in it so subjectivity breeds controversy controversy means views let's get some views baby and let's piss some people off apparently <laughs> uh, i i it works. It works for some of these pundits, like some of these guys, you know, in the AFL media. I'm not going to name names, um, and it's definitely not just because I can't name their names off the top of my head. It's because I, I, I don't want to start <laughs> being for sure. Um, but some of them, you know, just say some ass. And this is the NFL world too. And Stephen A. You know, ten percent of the time he might be right, ninety percent of the time he's loud and wrong, but he's entertaining, so he gets views and he makes a shit ton of money from ESPN. So that. Is on us as sports fans, apparently. Not me, because I don't watch him. Uh, not you. I highly doubt you would be the one to watch him. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'll, I'm blaming everyone else out there. I don't know who, but if you see this finger, maybe just assume <laughs> it's for you. All right. Maybe, maybe the finger lands on the right person. Uh, but it's we're going to uh, kind of wrap if, things if, up if you, here. If you, if you want a Stephen A. Smith... That I believe that does kind of this, that says a lot that I'm still surprised people even take his opinion, and that would be Kane Corns for many people. Kane Corns is yeah, your Stephen dude. A. Smith. He will say something that literally makes no sense, and it comes out of a complete left field, and so many people eat it up. Like the Jack, oh, you mean how drama? Are you going to talk about how that, I mean, that, these are actually taking a look at trading away Christian Petrarca right now? <laughs> Uh, that, I, I don't know he'd go that far, but I know there was there was one year he there was one year he was claiming that a team was going to win the grand final and they didn't even make the finals that year. So he, he, he does have oh, his that's moments a tough he, one. 
Oh, yeah, I, I, I remember. I can't remember who it was, but he, he said a team was going to make it to the grand final, potentially win the grand final, and they didn't even make the finals that year. So it was, I almost started laughing. So he, he he does have those Stephen A. Smith moments where he says something. You're just like, Dude, it wasn't him last year, but there's definitely that out of. It wasn't him last year, but um, I forget who exactly said that both the D's and the doggies are not going to make the grand final. I was Heath Neither Shaw. Neither team is. Heath Shaw. Oh, I was Heath Shaw, bro, the former, G- the former GWS defender. I don't want – I'm not he claiming ain't crow that for one. Months. Oh, that, uh, he I, ain't crow for months. Oh, he ain't crow for months I saw that, that post. I, I saw that post. I was on my Twitter feed. I'm like, oh, this is going to age horribly. <laughs> and you bet and your it ass did. I bookmarked that. It aged very horribly. Oh, oh poor guy. Hopefully, hopefully he could live that one down eventually, um, but not right now. But speaking about living, potentially having to live down bad takes, let's get into our tips for round seven of the AFL season. Um, this is one where both, like I mentioned earlier, both Don and I are writing off a little bit of a tipping high um, from last round. We both went eight in one. Um, you got the Crows and the Doggies game wrong. I got the Frio and the Carlton game wrong. Um, damn you, Blues. I was so close to greatness. Um, I'm so proud of my Adelaide Crows take. Um, so, like I did a little bit of teasing earlier in the show, so it's time to fulfill said tease. I will scratch the itch that I gave you guys. Um, but <laughs> the first game that we got here is going to be the West Coast Eagles and the Richmond Tigers. Richmond, not great. West Coast, even worse. Are, are, are we going with the, the best of the worst? I'm going to go Richmond on this just because the West Coast, they're still... I, I, I believe that many of the issues that they're running into is more of people coming back from COVID, actually having COVID, mm-hmm. than people being having to sit out for COVID protocols. And I, I think that's kind of the thing that's been a, a big talking point with some people is has been has been um should we be able to find out whether they actually had COVID or not which again that kind of goes against your medical whether you should be yeah be able to spread medical information or not so again i under i understand it for pundits but it is kind of a thing where it is a privacy thing so i understand the health there's gonna be a journalist that wants to get their hands i'm gonna i'm gonna tip richmond i just i don't like the mojo of the west coast eagles right now but i'm gonna say it Mm-hmm. This is a West Coast Eagles team that once they get kind of back to normal, and again, I air quote this a lot, then they are going to be a team that is going to scare a lot of teams in the finals because they're going to be a 16th, 17th, 15th rated team that can beat any finals team because they've got a lot of experience and a lot of talent. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tip Richmond on this one just because I still don't think West Coast is there yet. So I don't think they're they're back to that that kind of 85 to 90 percent that i think then they'll be mm-hmm. a team that'll be dangerous so i'm gonna tip richmond on this one this next one uh i'm not i guess too surprised by the percentages but i am surprised by the betting odds on this one um we got um the game that like we like uh we said earlier we are going to be live streaming this one uh over on our twitch channel um so at twitch tv 
and twitch.tv slash fourth long media. Uh, it's on our <laughs> website, thefourthlong.com. Just go there for everything. Um, but we'll put out the link. Exactly. You know, follow <laughs> us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, but it's between the Geelong Cats and the Frio Dockers. 84% of tipsters are going with the Cats. I'm not too surprised about that. But we got, you know, the, the odds um, is a buck 29 for the Cats and 363 for Frio. So sizable underdogs in this one. I'm not sure if I agree. I am going with the Cats, but I could definitely see Frio pulling this one out. This is one of those legitimately. I went back and I, forth. I, I, so I looked at it. Well, no, I, I looked at I looked at this one and I went, where this game is played is gonna yeah. depict my tip. Like legit, like legitimately, went. This game is a GMHBA, or if it was in Victoria, even if it was up the MCG, I'm gonna tip the cats because the travel sometimes bothers Frio. But if it was an Optus stadium, legitimately, I would tip Frio. Mm. Legitimately, I would tip Frio because I think Frio plays Optus stadium so much better. I think the cats can play Optus because it's a lot like the MCG, a little bit better than some do, but I would still, so this one's where I'm going to tip the cats because it is GMHBA. I think it, it fits the cat style a little bit more, mm-hmm. but this will not shock me. Will no. not shock me a bit if Fremantle wins this because the way Frio is playing right now, they are defensively smothering. They don't give up a lot of points. They're so good defensively. They're starting to find their ability to kick goals, which is dangerous That's when scary. you can keep teams from scoring and you can score more than you well, were remember, last year. That was take really a look at Frio thing. last year because one of the big things, Frio would have been a lot better team if they could kick straight. It was a running joke that I had each game that, oh, wow, they kicked so many. They, they, they got their behinds kicked because they were just horrible in putting it through the two middle poles that you're supposed to. Uh, but lucky for, luckily for them, Donnie, I believe what Frio did over the offseason, they put their nose in, in um, their literature they read the rule book. They're like, oh, it's the middle ones that are six points, not the outer ones. We'll kick it in through the middle. And look at them. They're amazing. <laughs> well, and, and you look at it, how many times last year did they kick more behinds and goals? And that really more changed, than half that the time, right? Games. More than half. Well, you take you, you you kick you kick ten behinds and you take five of those behinds. That's you're you're talking twenty four points mm-hmm. more per game. If you kick five more goals than you do behinds because you go from just getting one point for a kick to six points, you're adding an extra five points per every extra kick that you get. Dunn has risen calculus expert. Uh, just <laughs> simple math. It's plain and simple, simple math there. So it, it's, but I like, like those said, numbers. This, this is... I can count them on my hands. <laughs> I can count. Yeah, okay. But no, it, I, I, I'm going to love this game. Like this is, I think it's the reason why I love surprisingly for, for such a great game being on in a decent time over here in the States. I cannot wait because this is going to be champagne. For yes. I think this is going to be a classic. I think this comes down late fourth quarter. Like I said, I think the cats win it, but if this was an object stadium, I would legitimately tip Frio Antle. Yeah. Now this next one, if we want to talk about surprises, surprise me is a GWS win. Um, now this night, like, it really wouldn't be the biggest upset of the round, that's for sure. Uh, it's probably going to be a closer game. At least I hope it's going to be a closer game than I 
pessimistically might be thinking. Um, we got 82% of tipsters rolling with the Adelaide Crows. I don't blame them because offensively, they, or I mean, just all around, they've looked like a real team. I'm going with them. Um, it's the Adelaide Oval. It's a good environment for the Crows. Um, and I just have zero confidence in the Giants. I'm I'm also tipping Adelaide, but I'm I'm this is this is one of those that I I did have GWS at first. Mm. When I first started tipping this game, I tipped GWS because it, it's a prototypical GWS that they'll they'll fall apart in a game against St. Kilda. Cameron will take them in, grab them by the scruff of their neck, shake them a little bit, go, come on, get your heads out of a body cavity. You really shouldn't be seeing <laughs> in front of in front of people. And then they find a way to play a great game their next game. Like it, it's, it's like it takes a few seconds for the message to fully uh, assimilate into their brains. So I'm, I'm worried that this is an Adelaide Crows team. That's now starting to get a lot of compliments that do, mm. do they overestimate a GWS team that everybody's going, well, they're one in five. They're not playing well. Cameron's on the hot seat. I mean, this is almost a perfect storm for a young Adelaide Crows team to slip up. I'm going to tip the Crows in this one because, again, Adelaide Oval, I think it's going to be hopping. I think the Crows fans are starting to get up and about. They're, they're enjoying watching footy. Tex Walker is playing out of his skin right now, which he's, is absolutely I'm fantastic. so glad he's back. He's, he's amazing when he's on. He's so exciting. But I'm, but I'm going to tell you this right now. GWS winning this game will not shock me a bit. Because that's just the way this GWS team is. I don't know. They're an enigma at times. Because games that I think they should be much more competitive, they don't. And then in a game, I'm thinking they're, they're down on confidence. They're down on form. And they pull one out. So I'm going to tip Adelaide on this one. But it will not shock me if GWS wins this game at all. Will Absolutely. not shock me a bit. Yeah. I, I appreciate the confidence there. And speaking about shock, it's time for me to scratch that itch. Because we get to the Melbourne Demons, the <laughs> Hawthorne Hawks, and if you, um, it's my one of the week. It's my one of the weekend. I think I'm like 50-50 on this one, so it's not horrible. But let's He's going for it. We're going for it. <laughs> I love it. Me and the other four percent of tippers out there, I'll let it ride on the Hawthorne Hawks. They're going to take down the D's, and they're going to give them the first loss of the season. It's happening. Let's get behind it. Four, four, $4.35 uh, $4. as an underdog. Oh, yeah. Bet the house. Please don't. Don't take a bank advice from me. Um, but, yeah, let's <laughs> let's go Hawthorne. Uh, I'm going to tip Melvin on this one. I, I think Hawthorne we, is still, like, Why would you is still do a that? younger team. Oh, They're still take. learning. I just think there's a li there's just a little too much talent, and I think Max Gone is going to expose Max Lynch. Max Lynch a lot like what Peter Laddams did. I think it's. I, I'm interested to see how this one goes. Does Does Melbourne put the put the hammer down, or does Hawthorne stay in this? Because I want to see that. Because if mm -hmm. Hawthorne stays in this, if I'm a top eight club, I'm much more confident that you can pull an upset on Melbourne if they stay close. If they pump Hawthorne by 80, mm -hmm. then I'm a little worried because now they're starting to play better teams. And if they pump them and beat them by 80 or 85, then I'm a little concerned. If they beat them by 15, less than three goals, if I'm a top eight side, I'm going, okay, come on, Demons. I think we can beat you now because there's, there's, um, there's a weakness that I don't think a lot of people expected. Now, Kazi Pickett's out. 
you, you got some of the injury, you got some of the, some of the, uh, some of the, the COVID protocol issues. So mm-hmm. will it be a full thing? No, but this is a depth Melbourne team that has so much depth. They're a scary team. Bailey Fritch is still on there. Ben Brown's still on there. God's still Petronka's still there. Oliver's still there. So I'm not as worried about them, but mm-hmm. again, I kind of look at it is, is that are they, is this going to show a vulner a little bit more of a vulnerability to, better teams or is this going to show that Melbourne is just, they're just getting into second gear and they've still got third, fourth and fifth gears still to come. This is going to be a perception, um, you know, changer of either team on the line on this one, no matter what happens. So I'm, I'm super excited for that one. And now we get a stretch of four games where I really feel like there's only one answer to who we're going to tip there. Donnie, um, are you reading my mind as well? There, there's only one in this little run that I'm I, I'm Gold Coast. As I said earlier in the show, I'm still debating, and that's that, that the Gold Coast calling yep. I agree with you. I think St Kilda beats Port. I think Port is still not 100 percent there again. Nope. Lyset not being there still, I think hurts this Port team. I, I think Alaire Lear has shown better. I don't. I, I think his matchup with King, the King uh, with with Ben King here. Um, I think is a much more favorable one as Max. I can never remember which one's on which. I'm sorry. The King brother that's on the St. Kilda Saints is playing out of his skin right now. Can Alir Lear shut him down? And then can their young defense keep a Higgins and keep this really quick forward line in check? Carlton should easily beat North Melbourne as long as they show up normal again. How does the pit net injury affect it? Because Goldstein's still there. Giri's still there. So will Carlton have to start defensively to kind of counteract the loss uh, of the of the of the bounce of the the run contest and i think the western bulldogs yes they're without english yes mm-hmm. they're without i think they've just got a little too much this Essendon team but that's the other one like if i rank it from most likely to see an upset uh, that i would go gold coast one and then i'd go the Essendon bombers two i think yeah. that's the most yeah, likely right. upset you're three right. would be port adelaide st kilda North Melbourne would be the least likely mm-hmm. to pull the upset. But then again, though, the way this footy season's going, you could see all four potentially win here because there, there's there's a vulnerability on each. Port Adelaide's playing better. St. Kilda has not. St. Kilda, really, besides Frio, hasn't mm-hmm. played elite, elite teams yet. I think Port's getting better. North Melbourne, they're facing an injured pit, a, a pit netless Carlton team that I think has shown some vulnerabilities defensively. And if they can get offense, from Zerha, from Zebel, from Jai Simkin, from Goldstein, they could they could pull an upset there. Gold Coast, Wits is an incredible rock. I think he he can really put himself there. No, Brody Grundy, I think can even this game out. Gold Coast has got a very good shot. I'm going to tip St Kilda, Carlton, Collingwood, and the, and the Western Bulldogs. I'm going to tip the the top teams, but Gold Coast and Essendon and Port. Are the three I could sit here and say it will not it will not surprise me if they won it with Gold Coast, Essendon, Port in that order of how I see potentially upsets there. And the, well, last let's, let's the last is, one is the hardest one around. Is a me. coin toss it's for most horrible. people, and that is Sydney Brisbane. Well, it's a coin toss the on the odds as well uh, right now. If you're uh, one of the tipsters, it's fifty two percent to the Swans, and then obviously forty eight to the Brisbane Lions. Dude, this is a tough one. Like, I'm going with Sydney because I've been riding with them uh, on the season, so I'm, I'm just going to default to them. 
But man, if if there's anything that we've seen from the last, um, if they play like they did the first half against uh, Hawthorne, they're probably in for a rough night. If they play like they did the first quarter against North, it might be in for a rough night because Brisbane scores so fast. So it'd be hard to catch up if they need to. It, I don't know if you could get behind by like three, four goals against this Brisbane team right now. And, and be able to come and, back, and that that is that is that is a great point. That I think the 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 stumbles in the first half of games against Hawthorne and against North Melbourne, I think, has got a lot of Swans fan, and has even got some pundits tipping Brisbane because of that. I don't blame. I it. normally am always kind of I'm I'm the eternal pessimist when it comes to my tipping. I hate <laughs> tipping for Sydney. I, I I tend to kind of play the the double edged sword. I tend to tip for Brisbane. Because then I can cheer for Colin and Sydney because if they lose, I get the tip right. If they win, I get my team win. <laughs> it's like me so and it, it's kind of a, it, it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the having the cake and eating it too. I'm tipping Sydney this is because one, here's how I look better. at it. Here, here's how I look at it like this. Sydney defensively is still pretty good. Yes, you lose Patty McCartan, but I think you've still got some backups that are coming that are going to be fine. It isn't the tall forward line I think a lot of people think it is. After McAdams and after and after um, Danaher, it's a lot of shorter players. It's it's it, the mid side Zach Bailey's the small forward Charlie Cameron. So it's not a sh- hugely tall mm-hmm. forward line like some people are making it out. So I think if you if you bring in Sam Reed. And you have Tommy McCartan will take Danaher. Sam Reed will most likely take Mustay. Cunningham will take Charlie Cameron. I think you've got a good enough defensive ability to be able to shut Brisbane down. The issue I see for Sydney may be how does Peter Laddams handle Oscar McInerney? Mm, mm-hmm. Because McInerney is a big body that tends to be physical. Laddams is a little more skilled Ruckman. And he's he's faced rather younger Ruckman the previous two weeks and has dominated because he's facing guys that are not nearly as skilled as him, Max Lynch and then the young guy from the West Coast Eagles. Is his confidence up that he's going to go into this McInerney matchup and be able to perform as well as he has over the previous two weeks? If he does, I think Laddams gets around the field a lot better than McInerney. That's going to give him an advantage. And if they can win the taps, Callum Mills is playing well. Most likely you may see Josh Kennedy come in. You've still, you've still got the Warner, you've still got Blakey, you've still got McInerney, you've still got Robottom, a very young midfield, and Callum Mills can play a tagging role on Lockie Neal, and if you can take Lockie Neal out a little bit, you can kind of weaken Brisbane's midfield. So I'm interested to see, and then defensively, who takes Buddy Franklin? Does Harris mm. Andrews? Because if Harris Andrews takes him... That takes away your intercept marker because they have to be touched tight on Buddy because Buddy is such a dangerous. And you've still got Isaac Heaney, potentially Papley coming in. Benny Ronk's playing better. And so there's there's a lot of matchup problems I potentially see. And again, I think I'm going to tip Sydney in this. I just think there's enough matchup wins for Sydney. Okay. They can win this. And being at the SCG. If this was at the GABA, I'd, mm, I'd lean a lot another more towards one the, of those Lions. Where, the Lions. Play the, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think there is a home field advantage in this situation because Sydney does play the SCG very, very well, and it is a different ground than the GABA. So I'm, I'm going to tip Sydney on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck my trend. Normally, I tend, to, I tend to tip a team like a Brisbane over Sydney because just, just kind of the trends, as I see. I think Sydney's playing really, really well. So I'm going to tip Sydney on this one. Yeah, but this one scares me as a Sydney supporter. Oh, I, if because if I was a this Sydney is a very good, this is a very good Brisbane team. 
Yeah. But but I look at it this as this potentially could be the other team with Fremantle in the talks around Melbourne as those flag contenders potentially. I mean, depending on what pundit you talk there's some pundits that Melbourne's got this in the bag because the Western Bulldogs are not playing I'm not well. buying it. And Sydney's vulnerable. I'm not buying it. Fremantle's vulnerable. Brisbane's vulnerable. But I, I agree with what some is that Melbourne hasn't played the cream of the crop yet, so they haven't really been tested as much this year as they did last year. Teams have kind of figured it out. They're mm-hmm. going to have a year to look at it up. Sydney's a young team. They're a year older, and they played Melbourne last year in a in a championship within two goals. So they're there and a year year more experienced. I yeah. think Brisbane has tons of talent with Eric Hipwood still coming back. And I think Fremantle, if they're defensively structured, play as well as they do, they can match up and shut down enough of Melbourne's abilities, I think they're in it. I don't think Melbourne's as invincible as we kind of looked at. So that's why I'm I'm looking at this Hawthorne game going, will we see vulnerabilities? Will we see a normal, non-Superman-ish Melbourne performance? Or do we see them absolutely destroy them? So <laughs> I, this is this is such a fun round of footy There's because this games, could really Donnie. tell this 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 could really tell us who is what because Geelong beats Fremantle. Geelong's right back in the talk of flag contender. Fremantle beats Geelong. Beat Fremantle. That's a that's a top two. That's a top two side. A Fremantle mm-hmm. team that's playing really well. And Hawthorne we, we can prove see, so. a pure, they could become a pure legitimate more than legitimate team. They could become a Hawthorne. Donnie, the Hawthorne Hawks can become flag contenders. Opinion on results from this game. Hmm. Oh, I, I completely agree. Uh, Important. Hawthorne could stand okay, themselves I just listen, into the finals that if so they win That sounds so weird coming game. from my mouth. Hawthorne flat contenders should not be in the same sentence unless there is a isn't in front in the middle of there. But it's 2022. Apparently, anything happens in the AFL now, <laughs> so it's impossible. It's impossible, truly. No, that's what makes it fun. That's crazy. You know, imagine if North Melbourne beats Carlton. That's a Bad look for Carlton right there. Um, St. Kilda can keep rolling, or poor Adelaide might be able to get back in it. And I really do think, like like your point there, the winner of Sydney-Brisbane puts himself at the second um, best contender for the flag um, You know, to Melbourne, assuming Melbourne handled business against the Hawks. Well, and the other thing, the other thing you think about it too is is that there's there's one opponent that they've both played, and that's the Geelong Cats. Sydney beat the Cats again at the SCG, mm-hmm. and Brisbane lost to the Cats at GMHBA. So it's it's very fascinating. Again, if you if you kind of look at matchups, Sydney beat a, Sydney beat a team that they're playing against. So it, it's 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 very fascinating. Again, so I'm each and every game has a storyline that if it yes. happens a certain way could change how we look at this change how we look at the season. I mean, if if you're right and Hawthorne knocks off Melbourne. All hell breaks loose because then I think <laughs> that's it goes why from, I need to be well, right, I'm, Donnie. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious because even though they are missing, even though they are missing Kaziah Pickett and Luke Jackson, is that that vulnerability shows, and every team is going to dissect it and try to do what Hawthorne does. I mean, Sam mm-hmm. Mitchell, I mean, he learned from one of the best in Clarko. So if he does it, every team's going to dissect that tape to within an inch of its life to see how they do it, how they did it. Now, if Melbourne just has a bad game and can't kick straight worth a darn, can't hit to the broad side of the barn, kicks only five goals, we'll know that basically if you put enough pressure on Melbourne and make them force kick, make them, make them have a horrible kicking day, you can beat them. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't know. 
But but then you look oh, at it as who wins the Geelong free, who wins who wins the Geelong Fremantle game and who wins the Sydney Brisbane game because it could not only change the latter, but it could change the discussion on who's that second best team on the ladder. If Geelong smashes Fremantle, Geelong's got a plausible excuse to say that they're right there. And then depending on Sydney Brisbane, I mean I mean if Sydney beats Sydney beats Brisbane by two goals, mm-hmm. and Geelong beats Fremantle. Many people would say that put that puts Sydney in the catbird seat as the number two mm-hmm. team or help in the entire competition. Donnie, we might get a then, new flag favorite by the end of this round. <laughs> That's crazy. We could have three. We could have three or four teams fighting for the flag if 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 certain things happen. Right. But and then and then again, it's it's how does the how do the Western Bulldogs bounce back? Can Richmond get their form back? Mm-hmm. Because this is a perfect opportunity. You play a West Coast team, you got a chance to get a win. You get a win here, you can really bounce your season back into the way you want it. Same thing with Western Bulldogs. You've got a chance to bounce your season back on the right track with a good win going into your next round. So each and every round could potentially be your spark for the rest of the season. I mean, as a Sydney supporter, I remember 2017. They were 0-6 after the first six rounds. They reeled off 10 wins in a row. To go from zero and six to ten and six and in it's the possible. finals, it's possible. So it just shows you one game, if done right, one game can spark you to two, three, four, five in a row, and the whole ladder can change if certain things happen. So this is another round where the matchups are scintillating. I cannot wait for this because every single day there is a game that I'm going, who I can't wait for because Friday, Friday night, at least here. Geelong Cats, Fremantle Dockers. Saturday night, Saturday night here, you've got a couple. Collingwood Gold Coast will be fascinating. You've also you've also got Saturday early morning, at least here, is the Melbourne mm-hmm. Hawthorne game. And then Sunday, two of them, the Western Bulldogs, Essendon, which I think could be fascinating for the Western Bulldogs season. If they drop one to Essendon, oh my gosh, it's going to be fascinating watching the Melbourne media lose their minds if that happens. And the Sydney Swans, <laughs> Brisbane Lions, the communication on that one is going to be fascinating because if it's a close game, again, how do they? How does it? In, how is it interpreted by the footy media? Of who's the better team? Mm-hmm. It'll be fascinating to to watch that. So, I'm each each and every game this round could be absolutely storyline ish with how certain results could could affect the season. No, I'm, I'm super excited, and I I came up on the fly with this line. Um, pertain to the NFL draft um, when we're recording this week's NFL breakdown. And all I got to say, Donnie, hell, I might even put this on a t-shirt because this is my mindset for everything not related to my favorite teams. And fingers crossed for chaos because that will make this so much more fun. I just hope that that you know what hits the fan and uh, the whole I, I hope Twitter crashes. I hope Twitter crashes um, just from the AFL um, community blowing up over some of the results this round. But would love to see your thoughts. And uh, especially, um, can I get one person on my side when it comes to tipping Hawthorne this round, please? Um, you know, it, it's it's okay. It's a welcome 4% that you got here. Come, come join the 4%, guys. We'll love to have you here. Um, but that's just about going to do it for us um, on live and on this recording here. And I do truly appreciate everyone that tuned in, whether you caught us on the live streams on YouTube and Twitch, whether you caught us on YouTube, whether you caught us on Rumble, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, streamed it, the audio from our website at thefourthandlong.com. 
everything is amazing and you fans truly are the best in the world and if you're looking at just audio australia stand up because you're just one percentage point away from being a 20 a, a from making a quarter of our viewers almost 25 percent of you from australia this audio and then on youtube you want to take a look it's almost half so you guys are fantastic maybe that should teach me to refrain from insulting snags but i'm stupid so i probably will not um it's not how insult erwin or crocodile dundee then maybe just maybe I'll make it out of here alive. But thank you, like I said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Catch us on Twitter, Instagram. Catch Coach Johnny on Twitter, Instagram as well, at CoachHes40. And, Coach, your thoughts on the, Hoth on the Hawthorne Hawks' chances of beating Melbourne, in one word or phrase. Uh, <laughs> um, Mind-blowing. <laughs> if that legit legitimately like the mind blown emoji on our on our phones, legit. If that happens, I will, I will legit shout you out on Twitter. If that happens, legitimately <laughs> do that because you will have called what nobody, and I mean nobody except for what three percent of your the tipping competition, and most it's likely happening. that three percent is Hawthorne are Hawthorne fans. Legitimately, let's, let's just on, be baby. honest. It's let's probably go, Hawthorne. Hawthorne fans that are going. You know what? Darn it! I'm tipping the I'm tipping the Hawks. Now, I'm <laughs> there. I'm is gonna a love. I'm gonna need. love this round. Let's go. Let's go. I'm dude, gonna absolutely love this round. But if that Hawks. happens, dude, I legit, so I will come on with a round of applause. <laughs> ne next podcast, I, I will them. start with a round of. I will start with a round of applause for you if that happens. I, I you, you have it. I will. I will be to my word. If they win that game, I will start off the podcast with a round of applause for you, sir. Hawthorne, <laughs> don't let me down, please. But ladies and gentlemen, go root for the Hawks this round, and we will see you after round seven, or not even after that. Hopefully, we'll see you on Friday slash Saturday, depending on what continent you're living on. See you next time.